Okay, so today's daf is Kuf Tet Zayin in Masachet Tzachim. We are towards the top, <coughs> the third line of the Amud Aleph. We're talking about Charoset, Afal Pish in Charoset Mitzvah. That's what the Tanakh Kama said, that it's not a mitzvah. We saw that it was a Machlok Ketanaim, whether Charoset is a mitzvah or not. We're going to see. So it says as follows, If it's not a mitzvah, ask the Gemara, So why according to the Tanakh Kama do you bring Charoset to the table? Because of Kapa, we said yesterday, that at least according to the preferred interpretation of the Rashbam, there are two, but according to the preferred interpretation of the Rashbam, that Tosafot also seems to, uh, most, most Rishonim seem to like this better. It means a kind of a eris, it says, a kind of a poison that was in the vegetables that it neutralizes, and therefore we, uh, we use the charoset to neutralize it. If you eat le- lettuce and it has this poison in it, the way you can neutralize it is having radish. If you had radish without neutralizing the poison, you should have leek. And if you had leek and had the poison in it, then you have hot water. And the truth is that if you drink hot water after any of them, they will it'll be neutralized. And if, if some way or other you didn't neutralize the poison and you ingested it, so you say the following lachash. It's like a type of an incantation. Uh, I remember you. Uh, poison. Vilashav binatech and your seven daughters. Ulitmanik kalatech and your eight daughters in law. What that means, I don't think anybody knows, but it's something that's supposed to neutralize the poison. Rabbi Barbi Tadok Omer Mitzvah. So he said that it is a mitzvah. So it's interesting because seemingly we um we you would think we'd follow the Tanakh Kama here, uh, that it's just a practical matter. But as you see that the Minhagim of Haramik Kharosat are really based on the upcoming Gemara, which is which is Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Tzadok, who says it is a mitzvah to Minchosat. My mitzvah, what's the mitzvah? Rabbi Levi Omer, Zechel Tapuach. It's to remember the Tapuach. What's the Tapuach? That is where they used to go. Uh, uh, she says the women would go Tachat Tapuach. They would go under the trees and and they would have a they would have their children there uh, below Etzev. He says without any kind of pain, so that way that the Mitzurim would not notice it and they'd be able to hide the children. Um, and that's why uh, it's to remember that, how the, how the Jewish people survived because of that tapuach. Uh, and, uh, and therefore, Rabbi Yochanan, uh, Omer Rabbi Yochanan says, it's because of the, uh, because of the mortar uh, that they put in the, um, between the bricks, and uh, that's why it's thick. To remember that. Amar says, You have to make it like a tart flavor. You have to make it thick. You have to make it a tart flavor. So it's like an apple. It's not really an apple, but whatever, fruits it, whatever fruit it is. And you have to make it thick to remember the mortar that the uh, Avadim were working with. So one of them is more of a positive message, I guess, because the, uh, the survival of the Am Yisrael. And one of them is to remember the Avdut. Either way, it's to remember, and I think that's what you usually hear people say that it's uh, that that's the reason. But the the Rambam, I remember, I, I didn't look at it recently, but it might, if my if I'm right, if I remember correctly, the Rambam says that uh, the the between Rabbi Elizabeth Rabbi Tzadok and the Tanakhama is whether you would need to say a bachan al achilat charoset. I think he says that according to Rabbi Elizabeth Rabbi Tzadok, you would say al achilat charoset. It's a separate like mitzvah midrabanan to remember these things. That's how he understood the Gemara, but. Um, and that would mean that we don't really hold like Rebbe Lezbar Tzadok. We just uh, follow the recipe of Charoset that is, uh, uh, seems to be indicated here, which is that they, put, they make it thick. They put some sort of a tart uh, f- uh, fruit. Tanik Rabbi Yochanan. And in fact, we learned a uh, according to Rabbi Yochanan, the spices that you put in, let's say cinnamon, whatever is put into the Charoset is supposed to remind us of the straw that they used, and the, uh, the, the, the substance of the charoset itself is supposed to remind us of the mortar that they used the, 
to uh, put things together. This is what the window uh, shopkeepers would say. They had sort of had like these stalls that they would sell things from. And they would say to the people in Yerushalayim, Come take spices for the mitzvah, meaning for charoset. So he used that as a, as a support for his idea that it's a mitzvah to have the charoset and, and for it to symbolize certain aspects of, of the story of Pesach. Because you see that they would say, Come get the spices of mitzvah. And they, they called it the spices of mitzvah because it was actually considered a mitzvah. Now we come to the next Mishnah. Now, one thing that you'll notice is that much of the Haggadah that we read on the night of Pesach is actually like literally lifted word for word from the Mishnah and from the Tosefta, and it's literally from the Gemara, you'll see almost everything that we say in the Haggadah is written right here um, in, the insu- in the upcoming pages. This page and, and upcoming pages. They pour the se- second cup. So remember what we're up to in the Seder. So far we've done Kadesh Urchatz, right, and Karpas, and Yachatz doesn't exist in the Gemara. It's something, uh, it's something we do, a custom that we do, but it's, it doesn't actually, it's not actually mentioned in the Gemara. The Rambam doesn't have Yachatz, which a lot of times things that are post- Talmudic uh, minhagim, the Rambam doesn't have. He has the earlier minhagim of the Geonim, so they didn't do yachatz. They broke the matzah right before the hamotzi. They didn't do yachatz in the beginning of the city. So then, so after kadesh uh, kabas yachatz, magid is the next. So now, what do we do? We pour a cup for the magid. Actually, now the pouring of the cup again attracts the attention of the kids because we don't normally have two cups for kiddush. Right, even somebody who loves wine waits till the meal for the next cup after the kiddush. They don't start drinking right there. I, I, at least in my experience, <laughs> They mix the second cup and remember it's you know and and now the child asks right. He asks his father the question. And if the son is not so smart, so then his father teaches him. Okay. Now we we can. I, I want to read this mishnah in, in in two different ways because I think that there are two ways, really, there are two drachim, two approaches to reading this Mishnah. They're both valid, uh, and they're both reflected in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in the Rishonim, in the early commentaries, and they make a big difference in how you understand what the Manishtana is, okay? So the common way to read this Mishnah is as follows. It says, and if the, that here the son asks Aviv, he, asks, he, he, speaks, he asks his father questions, and if he doesn't know anything, his father teaches it. And now it's telling you, now it's going back on Vikan Haben Shoel, and this is what the son asks. What is the difference between this night and all other nights? On all other nights, we eat chametz and matzah. Tonight we eat on all matzah. Should sound familiar to you? On all other nights, we, uh, we eat all kinds of vegetables. Tonight we're eating maror. Now this one we don't say. On all other nights we eat roasted meat and boiled meat and cooked meat. Tonight we're eating totally roasted meat. Now that of course goes according to the opinion that also the Chagiga has to be roasted. The Gemara will talk about that. But anyway, now here you see that there's been a butchering that occurred in the uh, Mishnah here because of the different, the different corrections that are made in the Gemara to the Mishnah. What, but it should say, anu, it should say what? What does it say? It should say, matbilin. Uh, it should say, Anu Matbilin Pamachat, right? That's, that makes sense, because that's what the Gemara seems to assume it says, right? On all of the nights, we dip once. Halayla Hazeh, Shtepamim. Tonight, we, uh, we uh, dip twice. Olafida Toshel Ben, Aviv Melam Medo. According to the understanding of the father, of, of the son, that's how the father teaches him. Matchil Bignut, Umsayim B'Shevach. We start with the negative. In other words, we start with the part of the story where the Jews are downtrodden and lowly. And we end B'Shevach, we end with the praise of meaning the positivity and the, uh, the salvation and the uplifting of the Jewish people. 
That's the uh, that's the part where we usually lose the people's attention. I'm just being honest. That's where, um, which is supposed to be the core of the telling of the story of the Sipur Yitzhak and Tzorim, but most people, they uh, lose their focus because um, that's where you do Arami Ovedavi. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that uh, it says Arami Ovedavi. And Vayered Mitzrayma. Uh, they didn't go, you know, they didn't go permanent, like, and then, you know, etc. You know, they didn't go uh, to stay there permanently. It was Lagursham, you know. So the, the whole thing is, is we use what's Parashat Bikurim. This is actually the uh, section from Parashat Kitavo when a person comes with the first fruits and recounts Jewish history. Basically, it's like when a person comes with the first fruits, they are a living example of Jewish history. So they're re- putting the bringing of the first fruits in historical context. Like, I'm only here today because, you know, my, my, my forefather Yaakov went into Egypt and, and everything that happened there and my, you know, and my, my, my ancestors came out of Egypt and came to this land and now I'm bringing these fruits. Like, he puts the whole thing in context and he's praising Hashem. That's what we use to tell the story, but also to lead into the praising of Hashem, because the reading of the Bikurim is supposed to not just give historical context, but also be praising Hashem when the person brings the first fruits. So we use that at the said there for the same purpose. Okay, but so we, it, we do it by a process of limud. We're basically taking each pasuk and dissecting it, and then each word of that pasuk we interpret, but that some people lose the thread of what's going on until we get back to Rabban Gamliel. Um, in any case, the, um, this, this is one way of reading the Manishtana, that this is talking about what the son does if he's smart enough to do it, and otherwise the father has to teach him. But there's another way to read this Mishnah, which is clearly the way the Rambam read it, which is that Vekana ben Shoel means the son asks whatever he wants. And if he doesn't ask anything, Aviv milamdo manishtana halayla hazemikola lelot. Then the father says, manishtana halayla hazemikola lelot. And he says, manishtana. Now, how do I know that that's the interpretation of Arambam? Because Arambam says, after it says that the son is supposed to ask questions, says, and then the leader of the seder says, manishtana halayla hazemikola lelot. Not like we do it that the kids say manishtana, or the oldest kid, or whatever the custom is. But we, or the youngest kid, I mean, uh, you know, but we, instead we, we have the, he, he actually says that the leader of the said is supposed to say, Manishtana halayla hazemikola lelot. Another thing that's interesting about the Manishtana is that it's called a lot, you'll never find it called the four questions in the, uh, in the Gemara. And I think the reason for that is because it's not really four questions. It's kind of a misnomer because it's not a, uh, like I remember in the old um, Maxwell House Haggadah, you know, it had, it said the four questions and then before Avadim Hayinu it said the answer. Right in English, that the answer in big letters, but it's not really that way because the four questions not really four questions. It's really is the question, and then there are four answers. There are four ways that this night is different than every other night. We only eat matzah, we only we, we eat maror. We don't you know we we dip twice. It's it's a father. If you see it as a father teaching a son, he's like, I want to highlight for you the four things that are different. What, and what's another obvious proof that, you, that the son couldn't be asking these questions? We didn't have Maror yet. We didn't dip twice yet. We didn't dip twice yet. How does the son know that? He can't ask that. He, he doesn't know unless he went to a really good yeshiva. Right? So, and that wasn't the assumption. The assumption is he's learning at Zedr. So it, it's, the Rambam's idea makes, makes a lot of sense. But anyway, um, the rabbi taught, Chacham benosho alo. If the, if the son is smart, right? So then, this, then the son asks, right? It, you know, if he's not, uh, if he doesn't have the ability to ask, so so, the, so his wife will ask. And if not, 
He asks himself. In other words, if there's nobody there who raises any questions, the son doesn't ask, the wife doesn't ask, nobody's asking, except when are we eating? That's the only thing they're asking. So then he, sa- then he asks himself, and even if you had two Tamadei Chachamim who were sitting there and they know everything, they still ask each other what makes tonight different from all other nights. In other words, it should be in a format of question and answer. That's the idea. That the, the said this was to be in a format of She'ela because you see that the way that Torah presents it is the son asking and the father answering and the father telling and the son asking. So the idea is that it should be in a dialogue form. Even if you have two chachamim, they don't really have to ask, but they do it in a dialogue form because that's the process of the seder is supposed to be in a dialogue of question and answer. Now, now this is, we don't actually say, we say, so what do they say here? That's a very strange question because why would the, why would you say? Or it's a very strange observation. Every other night we dip once. Who says every other night we dip once? I don't always dip something. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Who says I always dip? In other words, the way the question is written in the Mishnah, it's every other night we dip once. Tonight we dip twice. Really? Every other night you dip once? Maybe some nights you don't dip anything? Right? So the answer is, What it should say is, all other nights there's no obligation. To dip, to dip, you know, to dip. Tonight we have to dip twice. Does it? Sometimes, some nights you will dip, some nights you won't dip. Now we have to do twice. So then again, here we're not talking about a real obligation. We're talking about a, uh, the, way that they, the, the way that he interprets it, the way that the Rashbam, I think, interprets it is we're, not to, we're talking about something that's just done so the children will ask, right? So he says, Right, it means that, the, uh, that uh, we're only doing this in order to attract the kids' attention. You're really going to call it a chiyuv. It's an obligation. That's the way that the Rashbam interprets it. I would have had a much more simplistic interpretation of this, that, what, you know, that, it, that it means that um, what difference does it make to a kid obligated or not obligated? It's a, you, you're, you're talking to a kid about... Uh, uh, about what what happens and what's different about the night. So you're going to talk about some theoretical thing. Oh, we're obligated. We're not obligated. We are obligated. It doesn't sound like the way you would speak to a kid. That, that's how I first would have read it. But in any case, it doesn't matter. Really, it should say on all other nights we don't even dip once, right? Well, now obviously you could dip once if you want to, but the point is that there are many nights of the year that you don't dip at all, right? Tonight, we specifically go and we dip twice. Now, again, as, as I said, this makes the most sense the way that the Rambam renders it, which is that this is the father laying out for a child who didn't ask, what are the defining special features of the night? That's the way the Rambam presents it. And that makes much more sense because the father knows ahead of time what's going to happen. So he's allowed to talk about the second dipping and all of the other things that are going to happen. Now, you'll notice that we don't say the question about uh, tonight we only eat roasted things because we don't have the Korban Pesach. Instead, we substitute for that, yeah, the sitting and the leaning, right? We have a different question. Now, we start with the negative, we end with the positive. What does it mean? So according to, according to Rav, 
And we're talking about spiritual transformation. So what do we start with? We start with idolatry, that Terach was an idolater, and we came from a line of idolaters, and then Avraham Avinu discovered Hashem, and then ultimately the Jewish people came out of Egypt and received the Torah and came close to Hashem. This is the spiritual transformation of the Jewish people. That's what Rav says it means to start with negative and with positive. Shmuel says, no, we focus on the liberation, uh, 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 political liberation, you could say. In other words, the material transformation, that we were not free and now we are free in a, in a political sense, in a physical sense, okay? And so Rav is looking at it from the spiritual and uh, Shmuel is looking at it from the, uh, uh, from the physical, right? Now, obviously, what do we do? We actually do both. Right? We actually do both. We do Avadim Hainu and we do Mitchila of the Avodah Zorahayu Avotenu. We do both of them. We do according to Rav and Shmuel. We mention the, the development of the Jewish people and the evolution of the Jewish people from idolatry to receiving of the Torah. And we also mention the enslavement up to the freedom. So we, we have both of these incorporated in our Haggadot. Rav Nachman said to his famous servant Daru, if, a, per, if a, a servant was freed by his master, and he gave him silver and gold to go with him, what did the servant say to his master? All right, um, yeah, like, don't get any ideas, I'm just asking. Yeah. He should be praising him. He should be extolling, praising him. He said, you freed us from saying Manishtana. And he went to Avadim Hayinu. Now this passage of this Gemara has bothered me for a million years because I don't understand what that has to do with Manishtana. Because Manishtana is supposed to be about noticing things that are different about the seder to raise questions so that we can discuss the questions and what is the what is asking the servant uh, what is you know what do you think a, a master who frees his uh, servant what should the, how should the servant respond that has nothing to do with manishtana that's a theoretical question it has nothing to do with what's going on at the seder the seder is about uh, and the questions of manishtana are about what's going on like the the son asks why are we lifting this why are we dipping twice why are we pouring two cups and so on. That really is the issue. Now, you'll see that on, I believe on the, there are some who actually take this out. They take that out of the girsah and they say it doesn't really belong. There are some girsahot that don't have it and they claim that some of the Rishonim also didn't have it in their, uh, in their versions, which makes sense to me because it's just hard to understand. And then it just, it means to say that he, he, uh, he put the, it's to show you that he said avadim hainu. In other words, the purpose of the Gemara is to show you that he went with what Ravah said, I'm sorry, with what Shmuel said, as opposed to Rav, and he said avadim hainu. Now we do both. In other words, that all, the point was to go right into Avadim Hayinu with an idea in mind of what the, uh, what, you know, what the purpose of all of this retelling is. And so he, he didn't really say, it's, it should be taken out of the Gemara according to some. And you'll see that the Rashbam, what? Yeah, he says right after the son asks, so then you go into Avadim Hayinu, meaning he didn't skip anything according to that. He, he didn't have that. According to the Rashbam, it doesn't sound like he had that idea of uh, uh, skipping Manishtana because after the Ben, the ben asks. Explain this, that the question, that there's two ways to do it. One is that the boy, yeah. that the boy asks some questions. Right. And the second thing is what happens if the boy doesn't ask a question, then the rabbi asks Manishtana. Right. So, but, so the questions don't have to be necessarily... 
Right. Although it seems like it's supposed to be like using the materials of the, the mitzvot of the night to, to to make the point. Yeah. So so one thing, I, so one answer. I, I was looking and searching, and I and I found one one achron who has a tshuva on it. It's called the Bit Naftali. He has a he has a tshuva on the specific question of this doesn't make sense, and and he brings like different answers. One of them just taking that piece out of the Gemara. And one of them, like, uh, you know, he's vexed by the, uh, by the problem too. And then he says, it could be petartan milomar. Uh, uh, confused, confused. Sorry. I, I, I have to, uh, I have to, I have to translate. I, I don't know how to say it in Persian, but um, in the, uh, so, he says, so he has to, he has to, uh, he says in the, one of the answers he gives is that manishtana means you answered the question of manishtana. Right, meaning why this night is special. Right, exactly, exactly. He said, meaning that, yeah, yeah, meaning that, that you're saying that what you just explained, in other words, they had said Manishtana already, and then he asked them this question, and they said, ah, you, meaning we don't have to ask the question anymore why this night is different, because now we see that why it is, because, you know, this is why we're being thankful. That, that's, that's interesting interpretation. I never heard it before. I thought it was interesting. No, some say if a person is alone, he should ask himself. It's not just some say, we just read it. Okay. Yeah, it's a... Okay. So, so what, are you asking yourself something? It means the format, yourself? no, it means the format of the, it has to be in questions and answers. You ask a question, you answer. Just like when you think to yourself about something, don't you ask, oh, what should I do now? You know, I wonder why this is, you know. It's just saying it should be in the format of a question answer. Now, the Mishnah says, Rabban Gabriel Hayaomer, everyone should recognize this. This is literally the Haggadah is lifted from here. Rabban Gabriel says, Kol shelo amar Anybody who doesn't say these three things on Pesach, did not fulfill their obligation. Now, the Peshat is they didn't fulfill their obligation to tell the story. There are some who say they didn't fulfill their obligation of the mitzvot, actually. Like the Ramban, I think, says that it means that they didn't fulfill matzah if you didn't explain what the matzah was. But this, the simple meaning seems to be that it means you didn't fulfill your obligation of telling the story. But anyway, Pesach, Matzah, Maror. And these are Pesach, Matzah, Maror. Pesach, Hashum, Shepesach, Makom, Al-Bateh, Avotenu, B'Mitzrayim. The reason for Pesach is that Hashem... Uh, jumped over, so to speak, skipped over the houses of our forefathers in Egypt. This is right out of the uh, Haggadah that we're explaining the mitzvot of the night. Now, it's interesting that Pesach, there are two, there are two meanings of Pesach, actually. And in fact, uh, Rashi brings two. And Onkulus actually doesn't take Pesach to mean jump over. He takes it to mean to have mercy, right? And just like Rashi says, Pesach, one, of the, one of the meanings of Pesach is also mercy. But instead of calling the holiday, the, you know, merciful... Or mercy, we call it Passover, you know. But Pesach really says it both, uh, both language. I don't know. Take take a look. Take a look at Rashi. He he brings it, and also Uncle is not mistaken. Also does. Matzal shum sheni galu avodem mitzrayim. The matzahs on the uh, now you see it doesn't have the whole line of she shelo he speak mitzekam shel avotenu lachmi. It doesn't have that, but he he just says yeah. He, he just has matal shum sheni galu avodena mitzrayim because they were redeemed. Shenei marva yufota matzeka shaltim mitzrayim. That's the pasuk that they baked the uh, dough that they brought out of Egypt. Now, um, does he give the other? Uh, does he give another version? Oh yeah, the Rambam has it that it says mishum al shem shelo hispik mitzekam shalavodena lachmitz that the dough of our forefathers didn't have time to rise until Hashem appeared to them and they were saved. Um, yeah, so that would be the uh, that would be the full thing according to the Rambam. That's where we get it from, and of course we know that that we eat the bitter herbs because the Egyptians made our lives bitter in Egypt. They made their lives bitter. So that's the uh, 
That's the thing that's familiar. And this is also familiar. This is also in the Haggadah. Now we have two, there are two versions. It's very famous. We have, and Rashbam has, and Rambam has, that everybody has to act as if they came out of Egypt on the night of Pesach. Meaning, means to show, to behave as if you yourself came out. What's written here in our Mishnah is, he has to see himself as if he himself came out of Egypt. And there are lots of drashot about that. The Ashkenazim love that. They make many, many drashot. Every Haggadah talks about Lirot Tatzmo, but we don't actually have that. We have Leharot Tatzmo, which is the Rambam's way, and another version of the Mishnah, that he has to show as if he came out of Egypt. Because what does it say in the Torah? It says you have to tell your child, because of these mitzvot, ah, Hashem did it for me. So you have to speak as if it happened to you personally that the Yitziat uh, the, the, Mitzrayim, even though it happened uh, many generations ago. A lot of people don't like the word lekales because uh, sometimes keles can be bad. Um, that, uh, uh, that this is also in the Haggadah. Therefore, we have to, to acknowledge and praise and extol and all of these other words and glorify and uh, elevate and, and honor you know, and bless. Um, etc., etc., and exalt, I guess, is another word. Um, the one who did for us and for our, uh, and for our ancestors, all of these miracles. Took us out from slavery to freedom. Yagon is suffering. I, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure the word agony must be connected. The simcha for joy. And from morning to holiday. From darkness to great light. And from servitude to redemption. And we will say before him, Hallelujah. And then we go into the Hallel, right? This is, this, these words are literally written in the Haggadah. Yeah. Yeah, you, could, you could take out a Mishnayot of Masech Psachim, basically, and do the, uh, practically all of the... All of the I'm not kidding. You, like, if, you, if you just correct the Manishtana to be the right one, you could, you could practically do right out of the Gemara, the entire Haggadah, you wouldn't eat. The only thing that doesn't have is all those extra things with Rabbi Yossi Aglili and everything that isn't really in any early Haggadah. It's a later edition. Dayenu is not even right. Dayenu, nobody even says Dayenu. Everyone's busy beating each other anyway. So it's, we, I, I, personally, we don't, I, don't, I don't say the Rabbi Yossi and all of the extra thing. I skip it because nobody's paying attention. It's too long already. People lose their uh, focus during the Arami Ovedavi part. And then you have these extra Midrashim that most people don't understand. When I, have peop- when I used to have people over who were a little older, like I wasn't kids, then I would talk about what those meant. But it's like, it's just... You know, it's another world. Diana, we have to do because we have to hit each other. But, um, but the... Uh, <coughs> like, whatever's written here is the main thing. So, the Manishtana, the Arami Ovedavi part is really important. Uh, and the Halil uh, part is important. And Rabban Gamliel Haya Omer is important. Because you see that certainly Rabban Gamliel says, if you don't say these three things, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. So, it's really the core part. Now, um, so, and then you say the Halil. Right, Ad Omer. Where do you say it to? Here, Beit Shammai is lenient. Beit Shammai Omerim, everyone is hungry. So Ad Ema Banim Semecha. Just go to the end of the first paragraph of Halel and then let's eat. Right, Beit Hillel Omerim, Ad Chalamish Lemayin Omayin. Beit Hillel says, go until Chalamish Lemayin Omayin, which is the second paragraph. Right, that's the uh, so that's what you have to do with Seti Yisrael Mitzrayim also. According to Beit Shammai, you just do the first paragraph of Halel and you started Halel and 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 that's enough. Right, Shalom Al Yisrael, let's eat. Okay, in other words, the idea is that. The, uh, the way I understand it, at least, you know, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but the way I understand it is that it says that Pesach ta'un halel b'shchitato, 
V'te'un halil b'achilato, that the Korban Pesach had to have halil when they offered it, and that's in the Bet HaMikdash, and also halil, and we imitate that when we say halil in the Bet Knesset, actually, uh, during Arvit. And then halil also when it was eaten, which would be at the table and the seder table, but obviously you can't say halil while you're literally eating it. So the idea is that we sandwich the halil, in other words, we put the eatings of the, of the Shulchan Orech in the middle of the Halil. So it's as if, like, our eating of the mitzvot was accompanied by the Halil, you know? So according to Beit Shammai, just say the first paragraph, that's good enough. According to Beit Hillel, you have to say the second paragraph also. It says, And then you can do Motzi Matzah. And then, you, con- you conclude. Now, this is all prior to Motzi Matzah still, right? You... you Conclude with Geulah. Now we say Baruch Atah Hashem Gal Yisrael, but Rabbi Tarf- Tarfon says Mishu, uh, Asher Galano Begalat Avotenu Mitzrayim. That's it. V'lo Yachotem. Right? He just said one line. You know, we have that whole thing Asher Galotano Avotenu Mitzrayim, etc., etc., etc. And then we say Ken Hashem Elokeinu, and we ask that in the future we should have the redemption and be able to bring the korbanot. That whole long thing. Rabbi Tarfon didn't have that. He said you just end off by saying Baruch Atah Hashem. And drink. That's it. According to Rabbi Tarvon, it's short. According to Rabbi Akiva, it depends what order you put it in. So according to Rabbi Akiva, since there's a longer part, you have to have a short ending. Right? You have a short ending. You close the bracha whenever it's a bracha aruka. If it's a long bracha, you have to have a closing Baruch Atah Hashem Gal Yisrael. If it's a one-line bracha, you don't have to have Baruch Atah Hashem at the end. Because it's a short bracha. You say, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Sha'akol Niyah Bidvaro. You don't have to say, Baruch Atah Hashem Sha'akol It would be excessive, right? So according to Rabbi, Rabbi Tarfon, it's a one-liner. According to Rabbi Akiva, since you're, actually, you're putting in Bakashot, please Hashem, bring us back to uh, Yerushalayim, rebuild the Bet HaMikdash, we'll eat the Korbanot, etc. Then you have to conclude again. With a short piece, and that's what we do, okay. And then, of course, we have moti mata. Now, um, Gemara says, yeah, this would be only post beta mikdash, right? That would only be post beta mikdash, exactly. Rabbi Tarfon's would work better for the time when uh, there is a beta mikdash. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Gemara says, Amar Rava, Terch Shomar veotanu otimisham. You have to say the pasuk in the Haggadah. You have to incorporate veotanu otimisham that Hashem took us out. Okay. Now, of course, that's consistent with the idea that we all experience it as if and we behave as if we ourselves came out of Egypt. Okay. Amar Rava, matzatzich lagbiya. You have to lift up the matzah. Matzah zosha, right? When you say this matzah that we're eating, you don't just say, why do we eat matzah? But you pick up the matzah. It's written right here in the Gemara. It wasn't just an instruction that Rabbi Maxwell House put into the Haggadah there. You also have to lift up the maror to show everybody when you say, you say, maror You don't just say, you don't just look at it. However, not only do you not lift up the shank bone, you should not, because it'll look like you're actually taking it as a korban, saying, Pesach and you're not. Right? According to Rabbi Achabar Yaakov, a blind person does not have to say the Haggadah. Because it says, Because of this, meaning the Matzah and the Maror and the, and, the, and the Pesach, that's why Hashem brought me out. And you can't say Zeh because you can't say And we learn about the, the uh, Ben Sorero Moreh, the bad son, the rebellious son, that the children say, This son of ours is no good when they come to the Betin. So they have to be, uh, blind parents would not be 
qualified to bring their children as ben Torah or And there's an interesting, Rav Hirsch has a whole thing that it's because they couldn't maybe provide the son with as good parenting because they couldn't see and therefore they're not, you know, we don't blame the child as much for how he turned out and whatever. But the point is that the blind, blind parents can't bring their son as a ben Torah or to the bet, a bet din. So, so too a blind person because it says, Zeh. he has to be able to see it. Just like over there, a blind person is not included. So, so too by the Haggadah, a blind person cannot do because he has to be able to say, Bavur Zen, see it. Any is that true? But then Marimar says, I asked the rabbis of the Yeshiva Rav Yosef, Amru Rav Yosef. Right? So I, I asked, who is it that says the Haggadah in the house of Rav Yosef since he was blind? And they said, Rav Yosef does. And I said, who says the Haggadah in the house of Rav Sheshet? And it's Rav Sheshet. So, and they were both blind. So how could they say it if, if they're exempt from it? How could they fulfill the mitzvah for everyone else? So he says, maybe they hold. Maybe Matzah nowadays when we don't have Korban Pesach is only rabbinic and therefore we allow the blind people also to do it and to fulfill the mitzvah for everyone because it's all rabbinic nowadays because we don't have Korban Pesach. So that would mean that Rav Achabar Yaakov, who says that a blind person cannot do that, cannot lead the Haggadah, cannot lead the Seder, must hold that Matzah is Deraita then. Okay. But But he himself is the one who authored the opinion that, that, that it's only the Rabbanan. So it says, Well, he'll say, because since the rabbis came along and made it rabbinic, they said, we're going to keep the same standard. So just like the Deoraita of Matzah, you would have to not be blind to lead the said there, because you can't see it. So, so too, the Deorabanan. So if you're going to say that everyone agrees it's only Deorabanan, so then why don't they agree? The same standard that applies when it's Deoraita should apply when it's Rabbanan shouldn't be different. So the answer is no, that they, they Yosef and Rav Sheshet dispute the whole concept that blind people are exempt from the Haggadah. Because they said, when it comes to this Ben Sorero Moreh, that the, ch- the parents are bringing their rebellious son to the Bedin, it could have just said, Benenu Hu Sorero Moreh. But it says, Benenu Ze Sorero Moreh. Which means they have to actually see him, because how, the Torah could have just written, didn't have to word, write the word Ze. It should have written the word Hu. Benenu Hu Sorero Moreh. He is, not it is. Ze is like an object, usually. Right? So the fact that it says Ze means they couldn't be blind. But here we're talking about items, inanimate objects, the matzah, the maror, this. Of course it says bavur zeh, this. What is it going to say? It has to have, a, it has to have some, refer, you know, some reference to the items. It uses zeh. So it's not trying to exclude blind people. It's simply the language of the Torah needed that word. So therefore they said the blind people are not exempt. And even though uh, matzah is delraita today and telling the story is delraita today, we don't say it's derabanan. Still, blind people are obligated fully and uh, can also fulfill the mitzvah for other people. The only derabanan uh, eating that we do is the maror because the maror is really an accompaniment of the korban pesach. And since we don't have the korban pesach, the maror bazman is derabanan, according to everyone. <laughs>